I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Thursday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today we are discussing ways to release shame. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that I am reading a really good book right now. I'll tell you all about it on Monday. But my thorn is that I am accidentally reading three great books right now. Um, This is such a common conundrum for me where I start a book and then I start another book and I start another book and I'm trying to read them all at one time and it's it doesn't work. I need to just really focus on one at a time. I think this is a common seven experience from what I have heard from other sevens. I need to fix pick one and just go all in on it. Um, which brings me to my bud, which is that this weekend I'm just going to do a readathon. You know, read, do a chore, read, do another chore, just really focus on finishing one of these books and I'm going to have so much fun doing that. Okay, so today let's talk about shame. On Tuesday we discussed kind of what shame is, what it feels like to be shame prone, um, you know, the difference between shame and guilt. And today I want to share a few ways in which I've learned to work through shame. So I want to be clear, and I'm not sure I was clear enough about this on Tuesday, but shame isn't a selective issue. It's not like people who are more shame shame prone are the only people who are dealing with shame, right? We're all experiencing some sense of shame, and it just might be that sometimes we have one area in which we're more prone to shame, or maybe we move through shame more quickly, or maybe there are less things that make us experience shame than others, where as a more prone, shame-prone person is likely to assign personal default to simple things or um, do it much more quickly and much more broadly than a less shame-prone person. So I just want to be clear, shame is not... Um, It is a universal experience. It's not for some people and not for other people. So we all could benefit from learning to work through our shame. So here are a few ways in which I've done this in my life, and I'm just going to tell you what this has looked like for me. I'm sorry if this episode is a little bit more rambly than we're used to because I'm going to just kind of speak from the heart here. So the first one is tell someone that you trust. It's all about just looking at it. So if there's something that you've held shame for for a long time, especially something that you feel is like really bad, um, the more people you can get to look at that and say, oh, that's not a big deal, the easier it is for you to accept that it's not a big deal in your life. Uh, my husband and I did this <laughs> a lot in our the beginning of our relationship, just kind of sharing our deepest, darkest secrets. And then his were not that scary to me and mine were not that scary to him. And we were able to just be like, oh, you're fine. Like you're worried about this, but it's not a big deal because when it's ours, right? We, it became shame for a reason to us, right? We attached a meaning to this, a meaning about who it made us uh, because this happened. And as we speak it out to someone else, they're able to look at it from a different perspective. And you're, you know, being able to see the lightness in which they're holding it can help you to hold it much more lightly as well. In my book, I talk about a conversation I had with a girl at a conference where it's kind of like this, you know, broom in the closet situation where you think like, oh, it's a monster in the closet and it's dark and it's scary. 
but actually opening the closet, turning on the light, putting it out into the open reveals that it was just a broom. It's nothing to be scared of. Second, one of my favorite ways to kind of not enter into the shame place when I am experiencing guilt is to apologize as quickly as possible. So when I'm experiencing guilt, if I can go ahead and have that conversation really fast and just say, yeah, oops, I'm sorry that happened. This is where I think I could have done better. Then that allows me to not move into the shame place, right? Because I I think for me, at least it's morally sound to make mistakes and apologize. So if I'm willing to do that and learn from my mistake and do better next time, that's the most that a person can do. The idea that you will never harm anyone is unrealistic, especially with so many different kinds of traumas and triggers and interacting with more people than we've ever interacted with in our lives. Like, like hurting someone is inevitable, but it's how we respond to that that matters. And for me, I say apologize and change behavior. And because change behavior, I think, is the true apology. When you can acknowledge, I see how this made you feel. I understand where it came from. Here's how I will shift moving forward and then put the behavior behind that. Well, then from there, I can't internalize that as shame, right? Because I've ex- I've done what I believe to be correct in the situation. That does not mean that that person is going to forgive you, but it does give you space to forgive yourself. Third, ask if that's someone else's voice that you're hearing. So we talked about this a little bit yesterday when um, we had an Enneagram 3 call in and or text in and ask about rest. And I said, you know, identify the person's voice that is telling you it is unsafe to rest and recognize that as their problem. And it's kind of the same thing with shame, right? A lot of these things that we've learned we should be ashamed of, we've learned from someone else who is likely carrying around their own burdens and just putting them onto us. So if you can identify who's telling me there's something wrong with me and why would they do that? What would be their motivation? And then allow that to kind of start some unwinding and ask yourself, well, what do I think about the situation? If this is, you know, my parents' voice or my teacher's voice or my pastor's voice, what does my voice say about how I should feel about the situation. You know, what would I offer to someone else in the same situation? And learn to separate yourself from you, learn to separate you from that inner critic and talk to that inner critic, have a conversation with them about how you're feeling. Number four, define what being a good person means and do it on purpose. So I think oftentimes shame comes because we are kind of holding the morality of everyone all at once. And we're therefore inevitably going to fail at being what quote unquote a good person because the goal is always shifting and moving. It's unpredictable. We don't understand it. Um, maybe we've changed and our definition of a good person has changed. So things that we've done, done in childhood, we still hold shame for, even though we don't see them as bad or wrong now. Um, you see this particularly around, you know, sexual dynamics. When you grow up as a kid, you're feeling shame for your body. You're feeling shame for wanting to touch your body, for wanting other people to touch your body, whatever it is. You know, you're having these experiences, these sensations, and you feel wrong or bad or evil for them. But then, you know, you enter into a loving relationship or a marriage, and that shame um, is still there from childhood uh, because it's been, you haven't adjusted 
adjusted your morality to match your adulthood, right? Your your understanding of what is bad or wrong um, is is kind of back in the past, whereas, you know, you have changed, you have shifted, your life has changed. What is your current understanding of what is good? I think that's one of the best things I've ever done for myself, especially as someone who has, you know, left a religion and still prioritize being a good person. I wanted to ask myself, you know, what is my morality outside of my childhood and what I was taught was good or bad? Um, what does it look like to me now? And to write that out and to really say, okay, I'm going to live by this on purpose helps so much with um, not even really getting to that guilt part, which can help us to, to not get to the shame part. But again, if we do get to that guilt part, which we inevitably will, apologizing, even if that's to ourselves and changing as our behavior is so helpful. Okay, friends, here's the thing. I recently put on the internet that I bought charcoal toothpaste and I got so many messages and DMs about how bad it is for your tooth enamel. And I am so grateful <laughs> that the next time that I bought toothpaste, I was able to use Lumino. Here's the thing I didn't know. 98% of oral bacteria are good for you. They're actually essential for your oral health. So it turns out that the fact that all bacteria are bad is actually a myth that Lumino is busting wide open. The cool thing about Lumino too is that it feels safe. I feel safe using it myself. I feel safe with my kid using it. It makes my breath feel fresh, but it doesn't overly sensitize my teeth. And that includes their white strips. They have whitening strips that are not too sensitive for my teeth. And I've been looking for this for the, my whole life, a dental product that would whiten my teeth without making them so insanely sensitive. Lumino makes toothpaste, mouthwash, and whitening that are a totally new and different approach for improving your oral health. They use purposeful and uncompromising ingredients like sea salt, aloe, and coconut oils to clean and brighten your smile. Plus, everything they make is certified non-toxic. So you're not gonna find harsh chemicals or bleaches in any of Lumino's products. Everything is dentist formulated, backed by over 50 studies, and proven to protect the good bacteria, also known as the microbiome. You'll love Lumino's white whitening. It only takes 30 minutes to apply and brightens your smile with no sensitivity. Find Lumino on Amazon.com and get $7 off today. That's L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X. So remember, it's spelled with an X so you can X out the harm. Lumino is dedicated to illuminating better ideas in oral care. Next, number five, talk to myself like a child that I'm comforting. So let's say we do something wrong, quote unquote, or we do something bad, or we are holding on to something that wrong or bad that we've done in the past and we think it makes us broken. Um, well, how would you talk to a little kid about that? Would you say like, oh, you little waste of space, <laughs> like you dummy or you, you're such an idiot or you're such a failure. Why do you always do this? Like healthy people don't talk to children like that, correct? So how would we talk to a child about it? We might say, wow, yeah, you did get into that accident with that car and you did drive away. 
let's let's pretend that you did a full-on hit and run situation like this is how this is where we're at um, okay we made that choice well did it feel good to make that choice no why didn't it feel good because people were probably harmed someone was responsible for that paying for that and and I feel like I let them down um okay well we've learned something here what did we learn we learned that um that doesn't feel good that in the future I want to take accountability for the mistakes that I make and the things that I do and um, holding on to shame about this isn't going to make the situation better. It's only going to make me feel worse and potentially put me in the situation to do the same behavior again. So um, I love you. I forgive you. We all make mistakes. Do better next time. I think that's what we do. We've learned through how terrible this feels that we don't want to make that same decision. So talk to yourself like you would a child that you're comforting. Next, own how things you hold shame for have shaped you into who you are. Because sometimes these things that we hold shame for do change us for the better, right? So let's say this hit and run situation. I've never done a hit and run. I, I My husband just witnessed one the other day, so that's on top of mind. Um, not that I'm shaming you if you you have. <laughs> the example is on my brain. Um but, you know, own how it's shaped you. So say like, yeah, I participated in a hit and run. Um, and that made me impeccable with my integrity because I never want to feel that way again. Or, um, you know, as a kid, I looked up things that I regret looking up on the Internet. And now I, I have learned to prioritize genuine connection whatever it is for you. I'm, I'm making, I'm trying to come up with, I don't think anyone should feel shame ever. So I'm trying to think of things you would even feel shame for. Um, but all of that to say, you know, acknowledge how they've shaped you because you can start to look at, okay, yeah, I made mistakes. I learned from those mistakes and I have grown or I made mistakes and I want to learn from those mistakes and I want to grow. And this kind of means that you need to love yourself a little bit as you are, right? Like we need to begin the process of, of liking ourselves and appreciating ourselves for who we are, recognizing what we bring to the world. Because if we can do that, then nothing that we've done up to this point is worth holding shame for because they're all a part of who we've become. So if you can begin the process of really loving yourself, which we know is a long one, it's not overnight it's not necessarily easy but if you can start to really fall in love with who you're, who you are then you can start to respect the journey that you've taken to get you here next is just to laugh at it right like some of these things that we take so seriously when someone else tells us something similar we think it's funny that they're taking it so seriously um it feels like oh my gosh that's the thing like that's how i felt with my husband like he would tell me these things like this is what I, this is like the deepest darkest thing and i'm like you're giving this way more weight than it needs or deserves and like you're like it's almost funny that like that's the thing that you're so scared to tell me um so allow yourself that space with it too hold it lightly laugh at it because as a reminder these things like holding the shame isn't changing your behavior 
remember that, right? In fact, holding the shame oftentimes puts us into this path of perpetual behavior where we feel like we just need to like release blame because it's so intense to hold the blame that we can't even apologize anymore. So if you can really get get your shame at that guilt point, if you can hit it there and say, whoa, before I even let this turn into shame, I'm going to, I'm going to love myself through this process, right? I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to love myself. and I'm going to apologize. I'm going to learn from this lesson. I'm going to learn from what this was like. But for the things, the inevitable things that we all have that have already turned into shame, that have already told us who we think we are, what if you laughed at it? What if it was funny? What if it was not that big of a deal? Which in order to do that, I find it helpful to pretend that someone else is telling you what they did um, and see how you would feel about them. So for example, we do this all the time with our kid, right? If we say, okay, what if my kid came to me and he said that he did something that I'm so ashamed of doing? Um, For example, I'm gonna give you one of mine. I had an ex and we bought a car together. The car was in his name and I um, wanted to take a trip and he, before I went to take the trip was like, what if you put that money that you would take on the trip and put it toward this car? And I was like, there's a lot more to it than this. Obviously there's a bigger story here, but like I felt controlled and I felt like, no, you don't get to tell me what I do with my time and my resources anymore. We're no longer married. So I wanted to separate our resources. So I was like, anything that's in my name, I'm going to take care of. Anything that's in your name, you should take care of. So come get this car and like, let's really part ways. So he came to get the car and over time or eventually the car broke down and I felt awful. Like I ruined this guy's life or something. Like I really felt like this is the worst thing that I have ever done is like not rescue him in that moment, not come in and say, all right, this is my responsibility or I'll pay off the car, like whatever. I just, I wanted a clean cut. I wanted to be responsible for the things in my name. I wanted him to be responsible for things with mine in his name. I didn't even split it 50, 50, you know what I mean? Like I, we just took the things were in our name and, um, Yeah, I felt I held shame for that for so long. But if my kid were to come to me and say, hey, this is what happened, I would say, well, how do you feel about that? And, you know, they would be able to talk to me about that and say, well, what did you learn? How would you like to do something like this in the future? Is there anything you can do now to to like, is it actually as bad as you think? You know what I mean? Like I would explore this with them, pull the puzzle pieces apart and together Um, take into context the whole situation and then release them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I would just never, I would, I would be really practical with him, but also very loving and forgiving and not, I would never want him to think, hold on to this for the rest of his life as this like big thing that he did that um, is evil in some way, even though this was particularly circumstantial. None of this was like you know, and I would probably remind him of what I'm reminding of myself as we're kind of stream of consciousness this is that like, you can't control circumstances and, um, you know, just be kind and gentle and also like know what your integrity is, know what your morality is and do better every time you can. (laughs) Like that's the most that we can do as people is, um, do better next time. Apologize if we can, if there's, if that's a safe 
thing to do in the context of the relationship. Um, if you intend to maintain that relationship, do what you can to mend it, to do better, to fix the situation. But for past scenarios in which the harm has been done or the situation has occurred that you think is um, either serious or not serious to you, however that however that feels to you, you can't undo it now. So what you can do is do better next time and love yourself through the process of being a flawed human being like all of us. You know, one of the things that I say to fours a lot is you're just as human as the rest of us. Like don't think that you're special in the sense that like you're especially broken. Um, we're all just doing our best. We're all broken. We're all going to cause harm. We're all going to have things that we feel ashamed of. We're all going to have things that we feel guilty about. Like you are not more human than the rest of us. And I think this is a mantra that I have to say to myself all the time is like, I'm not more human than everyone else. I'm not uniquely screwed up. You know, we're just all out here doing our best. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. It was a little stream of consciousness, but I hope it was supportive to you and your journey of releasing shame. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I will see you tomorrow for the next episode. Mm-hmm.